1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Danny Long has the morning on. I'm Steve Thompson and Julie and Horn is here as well. And our phone number six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226 you can call or text the program julie good to visit with you it's been a little bit uh here we are uh a nice day in april a little cool start 35 degrees right now on the way to 58 but a snow event coming in tomorrow uh-oh yeah that's right
3: i mean a typical minnesota right you just wait a few minutes and the weather will change
2: yeah, for sure. And from our text line, I wanted to get to it right away, and I, I think that there are a number of people concerned about the, the perennials that are coming up. Are they going to be able to survive the cold temps we're going to see this week?
3: So the cold temperatures might do uh, a little bit of cold damage on the edges of the leaves or the tips of the leaves, but it's, they're, it's not likely to kill any of the plants. Uh, Remember that these plants are early, typically very early season plants in Minnesota are iris and tulips, uh, crocus. uh, And so they're, you know, they've been acclimating to the the colder, the cooler weather and kind of growing as it comes. So they are, uh, they're tough plants and they're just going to maybe have a little bit of of chill damage on the edges of the leaves, but it's not going to kill the plant.
2: All right, Julie, what with the current cold snap uh coming, do I have to cover my garlic at night? W- what are what are your thoughts on plants like that?
3: Uh that I I don't think so. I think uh if you're concerned at all about the bulb, uh because that's of course the part that we harvest, uh you know, you can still have some leaf mulch and just cover those uh a little bit, but you know, they unless unless they're uh they're no, I, I'm going to just say I don't think you have to worry about it. And I think uh, just any plants that you're concerned about, just put a little bit of leaf mulch on them.
2: And I've never tried garlic. Is, is it hard to get started?
3: No, it's actually great. You plant it in the fall, and you plant a clove of garlic per bulb of garlic that you're going to harvest. And uh, and then in the in the spring, the plants come up, and... About mid-summer or so, they're going to start to, you're going to get the scapes. Well, early in the spring, you'll get scapes. Those are the flower buds. You want to cut those off. You can eat those, saute them. They're very delicious. And then the plant will grow, and then the leaves eventually will kind of collapse. They'll kind of fall over. And that signals the time when they start to turn a little bit of brown to actually harvest your garlic. And you let that garlic, you hang it someplace nice and dry and let it cure for a couple of weeks. And then you can braid it or you can store it otherwise. And we do have a garlic page on our vegetables page on our extension site.
2: That That is outstanding. What 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 type of soil do they prefer? Does it, does it matter? Is it kind of like uh, rhubarb and other things like that?
3: Well, being that it's a bulb, uh, you want to have really well-drained soil for garlic. And, uh, and, and you can buy garlic from garlic growers here in Minnesota. Uh, you don't want to use the garlic that is in the grocery store. That garlic is a different type of garlic, and it's not as hardy here, and it won't produce as well. So purchase garlic uh, in the late summer, you can get your order in any time, uh, and I know one garlic uh, grower that I've bought from is called Plum Creek. They're here in Minnesota, and you can buy bulbs of garlic. They have different kinds, and they'll describe those to you, and then uh, and, and then you want to uh, order those and get those in the ground in the fall, and, and uh, you should have garlic next year.
2: Boy, well, I'm going to give that a try in the fall. Yeah, I, is, I'm excited about it. It's really that. fun. <laughs> Julie, why isn't a Horner Smart Garden show underway? Uh, Julie, before we break and get into the calls and texts here on the program today, uh, s- some good news: the stay-at-home order continues, but it sounds like garden centers are going to start to open, and that's really good news.
3: Yeah, Steve, that is good news. It's not only good news for us as gardeners, but also for our green industry folks. Uh, as I understand the or, understand the. Um, uh exemption, the golf course maintenance crews can get out now and maintain those golf courses so that when they open they're ready to roll when the golfers are out. Uh garden centers are can also be open. They do have to maintain the six foot distance and practice all sorts of safe uh you know social distancing and all of that. Uh, but they are gonna be open, which is fantastic news. I, I believe Bachman's is opening tomorrow
2: yeah great today, great news indeed. today <laughs> yeah yeah gr- great news indeed for everyone who wants to get outdoors and are really jumping at the bit we're gonna take a quick break. we're gonna come back on our smart garden show. Julie is in today uh the phone number again six five one nine eight nine nine two two six six five one 989-9226 or you can you can call or text. We already have a lot of texts lined up on the program today and we'll get to those in a moment. Here on News Talk, e3o w c c o. Our Smart Garden show continues Julie Wise and Horn is in today. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Ken and Blaine you're on the air with Julie. Hello. Good morning. Um Good morning. I have I have a couple questions. Uh, uh one question I have is uh, several years ago, I uh, purchased an endless summer hydrangea, and a couple, for the first couple of years, I got the nice blue flowers and so forth. And it really hasn't even bloomed the last few years, and I was wondering if there's a replacement variety. And then my second question is, I just received a couple days ago, uh, I had ordered some phlox uh, roots from a mail order, and uh, I'm not sure what I should do with them now with the with the snow and stuff coming.
3: Sure. Yeah, both the, those are great questions. Start with the flax question. And the flax question, uh, you want to just keep those roots cool, uh, and keep them dry because if they get moist at all, get a lot of moisture in there, um, they're going to they could possibly mold before you can get them in the ground. It's probably going to be at least a few weeks before you're going to be able to plant those. And uh, and so just keep them cool and dry, and uh, maybe you could put them, they could be a little bit moist. You could put them, they maybe came in some peat moss or a little bit of sawdust or something, and you could moisten that just a little bit uh, so that they don't completely dry out. Uh, then Endless Summer. Endless Summer is, uh, yeah, you know, we were all excited about Endless Summer because it was a blue hydrangea, and that was something that was unheard of in Minnesota landscapes. And that color changes with uh with soil pH and the addition of aluminum sulfate. Uh that creates that blue color. If you're having trouble with them blooming there are and would like to replace them, there are lots of other kinds of hydrangeas. Uh the um, I'm a fan of the panicle hydrangeas. There are now these are not blue hydrangeas, but um but they produce beautiful flowers. And some of them that I like, my favorite is called the quick-fire hydrangea. There's a full-sized shrub, and there's also some compact sizes too. So you want to look at the amount of space that you have and uh, and then choose a plant that's going to grow to the mature size that will fit in that space. The other important thing about hydrangeas is, a, is most of them do much better in full sun. So that could be one reason why your hydrangea, why your endless summer has stopped blooming. Uh, and uh, it could be that um, it needs some fertilizer to increase its vigor. Um, but if you are going to replace it, yes, go to any garden center and they will have a whole array of different uh, kinds of uh, hydrangeas that would be great replacements.
2: It is our Smart Garden Show. Julie Wise in a horn joining us. Uh, from University of Minnesota Extension, the website extension.umn.edu. And from the phone lines, we'll go to Mike and Prior Lake. Mike, you're on the air with Julie. Hello. Good morning. I have a couple of questions. One is, uh,
3: I just bought some fertilizer yesterday, and it's funny pot with crabgrass killer. When's the proper time to put that on? And about planting seeds, little uh, garden seeds and a little potted plant, is that a good time to do that yet? So the first question is about the fertilizer, about with crabgrass preventer. So that, um, you, wanna wait, you wanna wait until, the, uh, until the, the temperature is correct. And so it should say actually on your package about what time to put that down. We usually recommend that, uh, not until you start to see some grass growing. Uh, so you wanna, if your lawn is still pretty dormant and looking pretty brown, you wanna just hold off on that at this point. Uh, the crabgrass preventer is actually a pre-emergent, so that's that's a type of a chemical that will prevent seeds from germinating. And so that means that you can't overseed your lawn either if you're putting down the, the uh, crabgrass preventer because that's going to prevent your grass seeds from germinating as well. So you need to make a choice there. And there might be certain areas that you have a lot of crabgrass that you're going to use the preventer and other areas that your lawn looks pretty good and you're going to overseed that. Now I think if I understood your other question correctly, it had to do with when to plant seeds. It depends on the type, on the seed, uh, in containers or in gardens. So you want to, right now you could be after this chill that we have. Uh, Or even today, probably, you could plant maybe radish seeds, lettuce seeds, some of these that are the cooler crops. And we have an excellent site, our webpage on our website, uh, called uh, on our vegetables page. And it has vegetables A to Z. And so you could look up what you're interested in growing and then find out the timing for that. And there's also a page there for early season crops and warmer season crops. And you want to look under those early season crops.
2: Very good, uh, great call, Mike. Uh, Julie, I've always heard with crabgrass preventer, uh, an ideal time is right around when the lilacs bloom. Is is, is that true? Or is that an old wives' tale?
3: I think we have these kind of uh, phenological uh, guidelines. Um, people say to to go hunt morels when the oak leaves are the size of squirrels' ears. <laughs> I don't know about you, Steve, but I have a hard time figuring out how big a squirrel deer is. But, uh, yeah, that is actually a, a fairly good guideline. Um, in other words, when those flowers are emerging is uh, the right temperature. But I, I do think that it's, uh, there's a little bit more to it than that, and really uh, you can get a bit of a jump on that. The important thing is to know that if you put a pre-emergent down for crabgrass feed, you cannot feed your lawn then.
2: All right, very good. What about being out on the lawn right now? We, we, we've talked about it for several weeks, and, and I know the last time you were on the program, it was still way too early. Are we getting into the time of year when people can be out? And another one from the text line, and we get this all the time. And what about, you know, you, using the defatching uh, machinery on turf? What, what are your thoughts on that?
3: So what I understand from our turf uh, experts is that, Minnesota lawns rarely need dethatching and it has to do with the types of grasses that we grow. So thatch is a layer of dead grass debris that grows right above right over the crowns of the grass plants. And because our our weather is such and our conditions are such, those the grass clippings that we leave on our lawn, uh they decompose very rapidly. And which is great for us because uh doing that you can actually add nitrogen back into your soil which helps your lawn overall. So dethatching is not a not really necessary for our lawns, for most of our lawns. Now, if you have a, a neglected lawn and you do some cutting and it, boy, it builds up and builds up, that might be a different case. But in most cases, we're not gonna have to worry about dethatching. Um, but I think now people, in some cases, your lawns are dried out and you wanna really look at, uh, you know, feel the soil, if it's not wet and spongy, if it feels fairly dry, if you have a southern exposure or a, you know a real sunny slope or a sunny area, you might be able to get out there and do a little bit of very gentle light raking.
1: Uh, you wanna
3: be careful not to do that when it's really wet. Now we're gonna get this heavy snow tomorrow. And so that might put a little damper, no pun intended, on our, uh, on our grass uh, maintenance at this point. We might have to wait a little bit longer.
2: So the phone lines we go on our Smart garden show, we bring in Ron in Shoreview. Ron, you're on the air with Julie. Hello. Good morning. Uh, I know if we get some snow, we'll cover things up, but uh, i got a lot of perennials that are up. Is there any particular thing I should worry about maybe covering?
3: Well, you know, those perennials have been our, our hardy perennials, and, and so it's uh, – you probably don't have to worry about covering them. The only thing that might happen is if we really get, it looks like we're going to have some temperatures in the 20s, uh, that you might get a little bit of cold damage on the edges of the leaves, the tips of the leaves. Uh, if you're concerned at all, you could take some of your, uh, if you haven't raked up all your leaves, like I have a lot of leaves still left on my garden, uh, and you could just push them over those more tender perennials. Um, but really, these perennials that are emerging now are, Pretty, you know, pretty tough plants, and they are, uh, you know, they're bred to be to emerge early, and they can tolerate these kind of fluctuating temperatures. The the plants that we mostly have to worry about are our flowering trees, and none of them that I know of. I don't know about anybody else, but I haven't seen my crabapple buds opening up yet. Uh, and so, if I did see flower buds, and then I would be concerned about those getting killed by frost. Um, but really for these perennials in the ground, they're, they're pretty tough plants and, again, might have a little bit of cold damage on the edges, but nothing that's going to hurt them.
2: From our text line at 651 989 my Christmas cactus and orchid are both blooming after a long-distance move. Should I fertilize them or hold off?
3: Oh, lucky you. That's awesome. I actually have some orchids blooming in my house, too, as well as my Christmas cactus, too. So, yeah, it's a real, uh, a real treat to have that happening. I even have an amaryllis that's in full bloom, which is fantastic. Um, no, you really don't need to fertilize them uh, at this point. Uh, when they are finished blooming... You would want to then fertilize them. So, um, and they're two different plants because your Christmas cactus is is planted in soil, that soil holds nutrients, and uh, and so and you don't want to overwater either of these plants. You want to make sure that they drain really well. But the orchid is in a soilless mixture, so the orchid is growing in bark. That bark holds some nutrients. But really that's a plant that needs more fertilization on a regular basis than the Christmas cactus does. So when you water your orchid uh, and, uh, and you'll see active roots, you've got some blooms, buds, you want to use a dilute fertilizer designed for orchids and you can, you can purchase those at garden centers, you can buy them online and, uh, and you want to use that. I use it about every few times that I water. So uh, some people use it more often than that. If your plant is really vigorously growing, you see lots of leaves and lots of roots and lots of buds, then you might decide to use fertilizer a little bit more often just to, just to keep feeding that plant so it can support all that active growth. But for the Christmas cactus, uh, you want to just make sure that it drains well, let it dry out between waterings, and uh, really enjoy those blossoms. That's wonderful that you've got the blooms going on.
2: Quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show with Julie Wise and a Horn. Our phone number again, 651 989 9226 That's good for a call or a text. And we'll come back with much more. We have a lot on the text line. Can I trim maple trees? Can I make my own potting soil? We'll get into all of that stuff with Julie coming up here on News Talk E three O W C C O. Smart Gardens with Julie Weisenhorn from University of Minnesota Extension joining us here A News Talk 830 WCCO. A lot of texts and a lot of calls. Real quickly, Julie, from our text line at 651-989-9226, can I trim my maple tree right now? Yeah, you could
3: trim your maple tree, but word of caution, uh, especially with the weather that we're having where we have Temperatures in the 40s and 50s during the day, and then we're going into the 30s and 20s at night. This is going to cause the sap to really run. And while that's not damaging to the tree, uh, it could cause a mess if you have a furniture or a deck or a patio and you have a maple tree that is hanging over that area. So anytime you make a cut, you're going to, that that you could potentially have syrup or sap, not syrup, but sap coming out of that cut and it's sticky and it, it washes off, but it's kind of a mess. Uh, our, at our house here, we have a very mature sugar maple that grows up in canopies over our deck. And even without doing any trimming, we've noticed a fair amount of sap that's dripping out of one area of the tree in particular and landing on our deck furniture. And so, um, So we've held off doing any kind of pruning now until after the temperatures kind of settle down and warm up and that sap stops running.
2: And, Julie, what about the oaks? Stay away from the oaks now?
3: Yeah, exactly, Steve. Stay away from the oaks. Uh, Oak wilt is a very devastating disease uh, of our oak trees, and so you want to hold off pruning oaks. Do not prune oaks from April through June. And that will uh, lessen the risk. This is a high-risk time for that disease to transfer between oak trees. And, uh, and so we want to hold off pruning those. It's a lower-risk time, kind of a medium after that, in the summer and in August. And But the best time to prune oaks is in the winter when the trees are dormant and there's very little, there's no risk of the disease transferring between trees at that point.
2: Another one from our text line, can I make my own potting soil with dried cattle manure and peat moss? Do I need to add anything like sand or any other material to make sure that that potting soil, the homemade potting soil, is nice and light?
3: So, yes, you can make your own uh, potting soil. I'll just put a word in for our garden centers that they have fantastic pre-made mixes uh, that are very uh, readily available, ready to go. So if you want to go that direction, you could. If you're going to make your own the recipe that we usually advise is uh, two parts of loam which could be a topsoil uh, it could be uh, you know a little bit of uh, garden soil if this is an outdoor garden space and then one part of sand a coarse sand like a builder's sand that you can buy in tubes or bags and one part of organic matter so the two things that you mentioned peat and manure are considered organic matter. So you can see that it only takes up 25 percent of that total. And the reason for that is organic matter holds moisture, it holds water, and it makes a very rich soil. And sometimes you can get too much organic matter, and it can actually prevent draining. It can cause seeds to rot, uh, plant roots to suffer a little bit. So you want to only use about 25 percent of organic matter, whether you use Maybe half of that is peat and half of that is manure. That's fine. Uh, but then you want two parts of that loam. And, again, a, a, good, a good sandy topsoil, actually, if you can find that uh, at the, uh, your garden center or hardware store. That works really well. And then some sand, some coarse sand.
2: To the phone lines we go. Lucy and Hopkins here on the air with Julie here on our Smart Garden Show. Hello.
0: Hello. 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 I need some advice about a lawn rescue. Um, we've got a long established turf. My family's been nurturing it since the 1950s, never using chemicals at all, doing passive overseeding. Um, we've got a really, really hardy lawn that does not require watering because the root system is golden. I woke up on March 24th and found out that a big commercial lawn service, I'm sure you've heard their name, I'm not going to mention it on the air, had mistakenly poisoned my lawn thinking they were in the next block. What they put down was uh, crabgrass preventer and fertilizer. Now, I'm assuming that the passive overseeding I did this past beginning of the winter is totally toast because of the crabgrass preventer. It won't won't germinate. But what I'm wondering is they have offered by way of reparations to do a core aeration. So my first question is, is that going to do any good in terms of neutralizing the harm that this these chemicals have done to my yard second question is when can I put down some grass seed on the thin spots that would have benefited from the the passive the dormant seed that they killed off and third question is am I now going to have to water my lawn because it's been fertilized Wow that's
3: a lot of questions Uh, well, first of all, you are correct that with the crabgrass preventer, that you're not going to be putting down uh, any lawn seed, and it may it may affect the lawn seed that you used that you put down last fall uh, that hasn't germinated yet. It could prevent some of that from coming up. So that is true. Um, as far as a fertilizer goes, it's, it's likely that that's not going to actually harm your soil or harm your harm your lawn. Uh, this is a lawn care company. They've uh, while you have not used fertilizer on it and it sounds like you've had a really robust lawn, which is great, I don't think that the fertilizer is actually going to harm your lawn. so that's good. Um, as far as uh, uh, aeration with core aeration, the better time to core aerate is in the fall. And the reason for that, according to our turF experts is if you do it in the fall, the seed the weed seeds are not, uh, going to be germinating after your core aerate every time you expose uh, The soil if you tip, you know, you're pulling those cores out and you're pulling weed seeds that are in this in the soil bank Naturally, uh, and they will but they won't germinate in the fall in the spring you could you would potentially Cause them to germinate So even though they put down the crabgrass preventer and uh, you still could cause some uh, weed pressure in the spring, if you do a spring core aeration. So we, we recommend that core aeration be done in the fall. That's the best time. Spring is OK, but we usually, uh, that's usually for compaction, for severely compacted lawns. And it doesn't sound like yours is, is uh, having that issue if it's been so robust. So I would, I would ask them to hold off until fall to do the core aeration. Um, and uh and as far as uh, seeding now when you, can you seed i would say uh boy i that's a that's a question i'm not sure exactly how long you have to wait when it comes to uh, how long those preventers are in the soil um, so i would say you could probably do a dormant seeding again next fall and uh and see if that uh you know and and that probably should be okay
2: All right, Uh, very good call, Lucy. Uh, Let's go to Diana and Hutchinson. Diana, you're on the air with Julie Weisenhorn. Hello.
3: Good morning. My question is, when it comes to mowing your lawn, I've heard so many different answers as to how far the uh, deck mower should be set to. I've heard two inches, three inches, four inches. Which is it? we re- we recommend that you mow at a height of 3 inches that you set your mower for 3 inches and it does here's why because the even though those grass blades are very very thin and very small and they don't look like they do a whole lot of work they are actually the photosynthetic part of that plant in other words they are the parts of the plant taking sunlight and oxygen water and they are actually creating sugars and carbohydrates that support the grass root There's also good research that indicates the longer the blade, the longer the roots of the plant. And so the longer the grass blade, the longer and deeper the roots will grow. It's called a root to shoot ratio. And so if you cut your lawns very short, your roots are not going to, you're not going to have enough photosynthetic material to support nice deep roots. And when we come to those really hot days in July, uh, when the, the grass could, that's when you get burnout on your grass. So three inches will help to create a much better uh, root system. The other thing about those blades, even though they don't seem very big or broad, they will actually shade the surface roots, save uh, the crown of the grass plant. And what that does is it helps keep it cooler when the temperatures get warmer. We have cool season grasses in Minnesota. They grow best in cool seasons. When it gets warmer those little blades actually will shade the crowns of the grass plants and keep them cooler they will also shade the soil and prevent some weed germination so some weed seeds germinate when they're exposed to sunlight if you don't expose them to sunlight they don't germinate so if you can uh, you want to keep your lawn about three inches long set your deck for that You can let your lawn go to four and a half inches, and then you're basically cutting a third of that blade off, getting down to three inches. And that's advisable, too, because that doesn't cut too much of the blade off at one time.
2: Right, very gr very good. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to mowing the lawn for the first time. I don't know when that will be, but uh, at some point in the future. I always enjoy mowing the lawn. It is 844 in our Smart Garden show. Julie Wise in a horn is in. We're going to come back Mary and Eden Prairie. We're going to go to our text line as well. Here's some of the highlights. We're going to talk violets that are taking over uh someone's garden and we're going to talk cucumbers and uh, someone's having difficulty Uh, getting uh, the cucumbers to actually grow to the point where they can be harvested. We'll get into all of that coming up with Julie here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Our Smart Garden Show continues. Julie horn in from University of Minnesota Extension. And Julie, before we get back to the calls and texts, what a great website, extension.umn.edu, Yards and Gardens. So much great information there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to remind our listeners about our Yard and Garden News Blog, which comes out twice a month, every two weeks. It's timely information. We write it. Those of us who are extension educators in horticulture write it. You can subscribe to it. Uh, There's a subscribe button on the page. And actually, when you go to our website, it's the first thing that you see.
2: Oh, great. Great. Uh, outstanding. Uh, Julie in today. We've had a lot of calls and a lot of texts. Mary's been waiting for a while in Eden Prairie. Mary, you're on the air. Hello.
3: Good morning.
0: Uh,
2: Morning.
3: I'm not worried about the spring flowers, but I do have one of those large peonies plants that you don't have to cage to hold up, and it has tons of uh, the red buds on the base of it, so I'm just wondering if I really need to cover those. I don't have any... um, Leaves around it, but I'm just wondering if I need to cover those little red buds. Yeah, you know, I, I think I would probably do the same. I would, uh, be concerned about it too because those are, those are amazing plants. And I would be concerned about that a little bit. If you have, uh, any wood mulch, even if you can scrape it up from some other area of your yard, if you have, uh, uh you can cover it with a little bit of, um, uh even like another container would probably help um just to cover it up just to prevent the frost from from hitting those tips so you could you could try doing that like tip a pot upside down over it that would probably help too
2: uh, from our text line uh thanks so much for the call mary uh Will fertilizing the yard be beneficial before it snows? Should I hurry and get fertilizer down before that snow comes tomorrow?
3: No, I would wait. Uh, Fertilizer doesn't activate when it's cold. Um, And you can see that on your package. You should always read the directions that come along on the package of the fertilizer as well. It will tell you when to, uh, you know, what temperature that you should fertilize at. The problem with putting fertilizer down uh, if it gets really cold and that top surface of the soil freezes uh, is that, or gets uh, kind of hard, is that that fertilizer can just blow away. It can just roll off of your turf. So just kind of hang back a little bit on the fertilization. This, this cold snap is going to get by. We all know that. We're Minnesota gardeners. And uh, just kind of hold off a little bit on that.
2: From our text line last year, my cukes were loaded with flowers, looked great, set, cukes, but then turned yellow and died. What happened to my cucumbers?
3: Well, that is a great great question, and I'm sorry to hear that that happened. Um, I'm looking at, actually, at my house here, I'm looking at the um, uh, cucumber webpage, which is on our extension webpage under vegetables, and vegetables A to Z. You can look up any vegetable there. And there are a number of different uh, diseases. A lot of them have to do with uh, bacteria or fungal spores that uh, can splash up onto fruit and affect them uh, and cause them to rot on the vine. And, uh, and so that's one of the things, uh, fruit rot diseases, they're called. That's uh, something that maybe happened with that fruit, that it turned yellow uh, could have been the cause of some kind of a, a bacteria. One of the best things to do is to rotate your crops. And so try growing those cucumbers in a completely different area of your yard or of your garden space. Uh, even if you have a small garden space, just, just grow them on the other end. Uh, try growing them in containers. Buy some really large plastic pots. Grow one one plant per pot see if that helps. You can trellis them up also. That helps to keep the plants cleaner. So even growing in your garden bed, uh, you can build a uh, using garden stakes, you can build kind of a pyramid shape and run some twine around that area and then let the vines grow up that. uh, And that helps to keep that fruit really clean and the leaves too. So maybe try a couple of things like that. Also, please take a look at that Vegetables A to Z site and read about that. You may very well find uh, some other solutions to to your
2: problem. Uh, one other quick one from our text line. Violets are overtaking one of my gardens. They're beautiful until June, then they turn brown. How do I get rid of these violets?
3: You got to dig them up. It's the only way to get rid of them, really. Um, you could spray them with a broadleaf or a non-selective herbicide, but, but I find it actually just easier to, to dig them up. And you're going to need to dig fairly deeply, so they do have some complex roots. They lie on the surface, but be sure to dig down uh, so that you get that whole plant coming up. But that's for me, that's always been my way of, of dealing with violets. I love violets. They're very cute. Uh, they're early season, but uh, they do tend to take over quite a bit.
2: We're coming up on the end of the program here quickly and let's go to the phones. Dick Canoe Market, you're on the air with Julie. Hello. Good morning. Say I have two Red Canada rhubarb plants and both produce very well, but one of them has developed a basketball size crown. What do I do with that?
3: Wow, that that is a big rhubarb. Um, Well, rhubarbs are big feeders, as you probably have noticed, and uh, you can divide those plants. Uh, So the rhubarb uh, plant will produce next year's buds on that outer edge of that crown. So with each year, those plants get wider, and you might find that the center of that plant isn't even producing anything. So so you'll want to divide it every few years. And in doing that, you want to dig it up and then just take a nice sharp knife, and cut away those new bu- those new buds. Remember, they're on the outer side. You can throw the center away, and uh, and just transplant those. Give them away. Uh, whatever you want to do with those.
2: All right, very good, Dick. Uh, love rhubarb. I have a rhubarb plant in my yard. Um, you you talked about big feeders. Should they be fertilized? And then now is a good time to give rhubarb a good jump start.
3: Yeah, I think when it, when we kind of the weather settles down and we get kind of steadier, sure. warmer uh, weather, then I think you can go ahead and do uh, do some fertilization. Uh, they don't really react to soil pH, so you don't need to worry about that. It's not that important to, uh, to Minnesota in Minnesota soils. Uh, so it has to take up a large amount of nutrients. So think of how big those leaves are, and it has to support those big leaves. So uh you can supplement that soil with a balanced commercial fertilizer or some really good compost or a combination of both and just uh adding those in will add a lot of organic matter and micronutrients uh as well and then use a, a high phosphorus fertilizer this is a case where we want like a 10 10 10 or a 15 30 15 or some really high rates of manure or manure compost will help to uh uh to use that uh to use some of those uh nutrients in there so um, really uh, uh, feed those plants and uh, soil tests are also great to to do too so if you have high phosphorus uh, soil already uh, you don't really need to worry about the phosphorus but uh, but you want to really uh, feed those plants well and again check out vegetables right. a to z we've got a rhubarb page
2: all right, outstanding, and of course, Julie Wise and a horn. The show goes all too quickly. We apologize to the folks that didn't get on the air today via text or call. Once again, the website's a good one: extension.umn.edu yard and garden. Julie, always a pleasure, and thanks.
3: Thanks, Steve. Have a great week. Steve,
2: a great week. Stay well. All right, there's.